camera, camera. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Sports Reports as Ordered. I'm Mike Wilson in the building, always with my guy, Raphael Rutley. We got some stuff to talk to you about tonight because things are going down in these streets. So first, we're going to tell John ja Morant to stop being such a knucklehead, or at the very least, have your boys do it for you. You know, we're going to talk about tags and contracts because the NFL franchise tag Window is over. It is over. And now Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are at a crossroad, and we're going to have to see what happens next. Then we're going to talk about combine over combine overreactions because people like Anthony Richardson. Yeah. And then finally, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, his conundrum. Is he going to be a Packer? Is he going to be a Jet? Are the Raiders going to get involved? And then we're going to get something off our chest. So, Raph, what is happening, man? Like I said, we're back for another episode. You know, got to get you guys a couple times a week. Like I said, we're excited about these topics. Like I said, we already had our pre-meeting, chopped it all up, kind of got our ideas out, and then we're just going to let it flow. Uh, once again, shout out to everybody who's been listening, following, downloading, uh, commenting, sharing it, commenting on the Facebook groups and the chat rooms and everything else. So, yeah, we appreciate all that. But uh, Mike, go ahead and get us, get us started, man. What's going on in Memphis? All right. So what's going on in Memphis is Ja Morant is moving like a dumbass. <laughs> you know, so so look, people have been talking about gun ownership. It's okay to have a gun. It's okay to own a gun. Yes, it is okay to own a gun, provided you got all the right paperwork and all that good stuff like that. But where Ja Morant keep messing up is, and I want your take on this one, you know, his mama getting into an argument with the dude at the finish line. And he went down there with his goons and, you know, smushed the dude around, man. What's going on? Yo, like, I know a lot of people have been piling on him. I mean, it's not like we're the first people to bring up this topic. Normally, we try to find a topic that doesn't really have a lot of already, you know, big media traction just so we can have more of an uninfluenced conversation. Just, you know, just conversations between you and I. But just job, we had to bring it up. And the reason that it bothers me the most is that he has an opportunity to not even just the money thing, but you have you have the free you have financial freedom. Like the capital that he has earned from Nike and basketball and whatever endorsement deals he has. He can do whatever safely and smartly with his friends. He can go vacation. He can take his family on vacation. He's bought a couple of houses. Like, he bought the house, then got some more money, bought the house next door, moved himself into that house, moved his family to the other house. It's like $4 million with the houses, and they're side by side. So you can pay it back to your, to your parents who put a lot of time and effort. You can pay it back to yourself for the effort that he put in to make it from you know, a youth basketball player to a high school basketball player to a small mid-major basketball player to the second overall pick. And he's box office. Mm-hmm. His tickets are higher. When he, when Memphis comes to your town, the ticket price goes up. You know, so he's box office. You have everything you would need. But for some reason, this, 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 this desire, this energy to have street clout is the part that baffles me. 
So, I mean, I can go on and on and on about this forever because, like I said, I, I was a military brat. I grew up in base housing or post housing, depends on where you're stationed. My dad was in the Army, did 20 years, got out, moved to another suburban house. So I understand, like, that aspect of it. My family's from Williamsburg, Virginia, Tawano, shout out Chickahominy Road. I mean, it's, and it, was, it was like throughout the 80s and 90s, yes, it did have a bad rap. It's still a very close family. Like, my family still lives there. When I go home, I see my aunt. Everybody comes around. But there was a lot of stuff that went down. There was a lot of crack deals, a lot of people going to jail, robberies, petty crimes. But we also had a very good sense of family. He has that sense of family, but yet he wants to behave as if he can't leave this life of crime alone. And that wasn't your life growing up. Yeah, maybe it was tough where you grew up, but I'm like, if you look at the, if you look at it from the outside, and like I said, I can't speak to the inside of it, but two parent homes are statistically better than single parent homes as far as like your academics, your health, your crime, the, your 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 crime, your your how far you go academically, the kind of job you have. It's mathematically proven that having a two parent home. We've all seen his dad sitting courtside. Um, he's a big personality in within the organization, within the NBA. So all of it is trending towards a good thing. There's nothing wrong with being a good thing. It's like LeVar Ball and his his sons. It was all trending a good direction. It was another example of black man being there for his family, raising his son. His son goes in the NBA, and now they're enjoying the fruits of that labor. Jaila here gambling with that. Just for what? Just to just to show off a gun? A lot of people can buy guns. Like at 18 and up, you can get a shotgun. At 21 and up, you can get a handgun. You're not doing anything special. It's the Second Amendment. It's right after speech. So you're not. it's not like you're doing some brand new thing. My issue is you're not learning. My mom used to tell me, she was like, Ralph, pick up people's good habits, not their bad habits. Plenty of NBA players... NFL players, 21, 22, up to 25, get their money and immediately start taking their boys to strip clubs, start going to the mall and just over shopping, just draw attention to yourself. You don't you don't need to go to the mall. I ordered some oil on from my BMW from FCP Auto in Connecticut yesterday. It got here before I got off work today. Like, you can get whatever you need at home. You don't have to go out and show out. People know you have money. I can Google your contract. I know you got paid. So why are you in such a hurry to go out here and show it off? And then, okay, with the IG Live thing. IG Live has been notorious. Like I said, I'm going to hit you with a Drake line. He was like, sports and rap is so synonymous. We want to be them. They want to be us. So a lot of rappers recently gone to IG Live, Instagram, you know, Instagram Live, Facebook Live, and stuff has happened. A shooting, attempted robberies, just any kind of drama that comes with those kind of environments. So maybe he was flashing the, the allegedly flashing the handgun to let people know, like, yeah, you see where I'm at on IG Live, but I got this thing on me. But if you feel like you have to do that, then you should peel that back. All right, if I have to show this gun because I'm on IG Live, because I think someone might try to come get me because historically that's a, that's happened. Should I be in this environment? Should I be, should I have this gun on me? 
should I be somewhere at 2 a.m. after a road game with this gun? Like that, and that's that's the part you got to break down before you even flash it. Is like, should I even be here if I have to flash it? Should I go to a place if I got to take my gun with me when I don't have to live that way? You live in a certain environment, you got to get to work. Like my boy lives in Mississippi, he deals, he deals with, with FedEx. He might have to carry a hammer with him if necessary. He's going down dark roads. People always try to rob FedEx trucks so forth and so on. But he's trying to do his job. You're just hanging out at a strip club that you don't need to be at. You're an NBA player. You can slide in any DM of any. You can go to a modeling agency and be like, yo, I'm coming to Denver. And have some models hang out with you if you just want to hang out with attractive women. You don't have to put yourself in the crosshairs and your friends and your family in the crosshairs. Especially considering it's not doing you any good. So, I mean, like I said, I can go on forever with this. Hey, I'm just saying, man. Uh, we went up to a couple clubs in Denver, you know. So, I mean, I mean, I mean. But, you know, but like, so, so this is the thing, right? You know, I grew up in Baltimore, you know, in the middle of the city, chalk everywhere, you know, abandoned homes, you know, all that good stuff. And I had some cousins that were you know, into some nefarious things. But you know what happened? I wasn't even an athlete or whatever, you know, but I was like the nerd. I was the nerd. And, you know, I'm like, yo, I'm rolling. They like, yo, so go sit your ass down somewhere. You ain't coming. <laughs> yeah, they told me you ain't coming. Like, you're the one that got a future or whatever the case may be. You're the one that's going to do things. So, you know what? You stay here. We're going to go do what we do because the last thing we want to do is screw you over. And, you know, of course, at the time I was like, yo, come on, man. Like, I'm trying to roll, but you got to learn. But with John Morant, we're not piling on because of this situation, the gun itself, this situation itself. Because I go back, you know, the first thing I remember from John Morant when it comes to this type of stuff was somebody telling him that he was whipped on Twitter and he told the dude, it's free to find out how these hollows feel. That's the first thing I remember. Like before you even get to the potential crimes, communicating a threat. That's a that's a crime. Well, you know, like so 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 that happened. You know, then you know the whole thing happened with the kid. You know, playing basketball, throwing the ball at each other, rough. And then from what I hear, you know, Ja just had some butterfingers and it went through on him or whatever. But then allegedly, you know, he hit the dude beat on him 12 to 13 times and then flashed the gun on him. I'm like, damn, you done already hit him 12, 13 times and you still going to flash it? You still going to, you know, I mean, come on. Then the finish line thing I brought up, you know, where his mom got into it with um, one of the workers there, I guess called him and he showed up, mushed the dude a couple of times, whatever. And that, those two happened days apart. So this is one of those things where I understand why he got suspended. Because I mean, what you going to do, wait till he kills somebody? you know, or, or until he gets killed, you know, at some point you got to try to send some kind of message, you know, and the only way you can send that message is by taking the things that he loves the most away, you know, suspend them, maybe take some money, you know, uh, so you're taking his basketball away, you know, but I'm wondering what Nike's thinking right now, you know, because he was supposed to be the replacement to Kyrie, the troublemaker. So, yeah. I don't even know what Phil Knight over there thinking about right now. Like, you know, Phil, <laughs> Phil Knight trying to look at the draft and see if anybody coming through, you know. But um, but also, you know, this ain't over, you know, because we were given the wordage at least two games. So, you know, we heard that with Kyrie 
at least five games. And then all of a sudden, all the rules came out, you know, so now we got the jaw rules. And on top of that, if that gun, if they can prove that that gun was on that plane when they flew to Memphis, he gone for 50 games. You know, thank you, Gilbert Arenas, for that. You know, so that's collectively bargained, by the way. There's no way around that. Go ahead. Well, it looks like that could be in question, the 50-game part. I think it might be a situation where it was miss. It says Stein was, uh, actually, he put out, um, I stated something incorrectly on my podcast. So the 50 games might not be accurate. So there's no well, I read that separately, though. League bylaws. Yeah, I read that separately. That, yeah, and I read that, that, like, you know, there was also, I think, but the, the, the problem is he put himself in this position where he shouldn't even be jeopardizing his 50 games. Right. People, right. Should, people shouldn't be leveraging your time because you can't seem to get out of your own way. Considering, like, you're fighting a teenager at your house. Like, come on. And they try, and then, and I understand this. I goes, I get it. Everyone's talking about mental health, and they're saying, yeah, he has some things going on. I get it. I'm all about mental health. I'm all about taking care of yourself, but I'm also about accountability. You're not going to just throw everything under the umbrella of mental health. Right. Some of this stuff is just habitual line stepping. He's a habitual line stepping because they, they say that every draft, mm-hmm. especially with the NFL draft, we watched 250 plus players get drafted, and it was the adage that. When you give a guy money, he go, he's going to become more of what he already is. So if somebody's a philanthropist, good student, good worker, hard worker, i.e. Jalen Hurts. You give Jalen Hurts $200 million, he's going to invest $125 million, And then when he's done playing in nine years, that $125 would be $675 million. And people were like, how did that happen? Because... He took his first million and invested something like six hundred fifty thousand of that. He did. I saw um, like the Cosmo article, what you do with your first million. So he's gonna do more of that. Some guys are gonna go buy twenty thousand dollars worth of clothes <laughs> and a fifty thousand dollar watch and the eighty thousand iced out grill. You only need one. And you need, like in Chad Johnson's ultra single. So like, listen, they know how much money they make. I can wear a fake one. You, you gonna tell? You don't know the difference. You know how much money I get paid. So if I wore fake jewelry, who knows? But you had to go. You got to go to the iced out, the rapper, jeweler, and then you, you got to go see Jacob. Me. You got to go see Jacob or, or the Asian guy in Texas that has all his grills down in Houston. And I get it. You want to live your life. I'm not knocking you. I got a twelve thousand dollar bonus when I joined the Air Force. Yeah, I, I I went I went a little ham with that. I had a good time. I admit that I didn't have a gun involved, but I had a good time. Well, you know, um, the one thing I forgot to mention was there was the whole situation on February 5th where people associated with the Pacers were saying that somebody was putting a laser on them from out of the SUV that was carrying his people. So, and so, when, so and that's another thing. It, and that's so something else happens when when the story came out that he allegedly pointed because I heard about the punch in the 17 year old. The story came out that he allegedly pointed a gun at him. While he was celebrating on the bench, he used he did the gun signal. Mm-hmm. 
It's like, and then he did the gun on Instagram Live. It's like, are you not hearing, or because it's everywhere. You are box office. So anything you get involved with is going to be exacerbated. So if, I know you heard about the allegations. So anything associated with a gun, he should have been like, I'm off. I'm backing away from it. From the Pacer incident to the the story getting you know getting more details coming out about the fight that he had at his house potentially flashing the gun there then doing the celebration and then going out to the strip club and showing off the gun it's like why like like what what are you gaining from that and that's everyone, on a pattern piling on, everyone's been piling on his dad and i get that but i'm like how are you on a road trip with your son any acting like this yeah, and don't forget that they were, they were. I mean, he wasn't necessarily the instigator, I guess, but they had the issue with Shannon Sharp, you know? So, like, this is not just, hey, Ja was on Instagram with a gun. This is Ja, as I said earlier, this is Ja being a dumbass, you know, because he got all this money, the world is his oyster. In He's a literally, week period. Yeah, but we, we literally just had this conversation two weeks ago about, Hey, like, why are we always talking about the Lakers? Like, who's going to be the next? He's a part of that. Like, he has the ability to be the face of the league, you know? And, and now he's... He want to be the face of the streets. And, and I want people to know, you know, because, like, I've been seeing, like, oh, is he the new Allen Iverson or whatever the case may be? Like, AI said some things, did some, but he wasn't moving straight up like this. Like, it wasn't a constant pattern of guns and you know what i mean just dumb threats to people he he might have said some things that offended people you know he might have dressed a certain way that was from the hood right from like downtown part of my city like ai is really like the ai's group in high school was about that life even though that life was reckless he was about that life young and and i don't know if people are are privy to what happened in in the bowling alley Mm -hmm. when they got in a fight with some people from Pocosin. Pocosin is notorious for having um, just race, just racism. So they came across the bowling alley. A, a fight ensued. There was bowling balls being thrown. They ripped up the tables, the benches. They were throwing everything. And then somebody, this was like the first like video, like that in the Rodney King. Somebody was holding a video camera, like hiding in the arcade, but they had the video camera out like this. And they said Iverson was one of the people involved. They re-examined it, realized it. He wasn't involved, but those were like the people he grew up with. They paraded him around. They, you know, he went to jail for like two years. Then he went to Georgetown and ended up eventually made it to the NBA. But he was living, he was living that life before, and then it carried over to the NBA. And he'll tell you that it wasn't beneficial. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he had some people around him. I think Reebok put a, a trust in place, so like his Reebok money went until he's like 55 or something like that like they they've ha- have all these things like but people around him kept them you know kept them straight and kept them in line it wasn't like he he wasn't out there looking for stuff he just that was just a life he liked to live he liked to go to the club he liked to drink he liked to party and it ultimately shortened his career because he was a small guy mm-hmm. he probably could have played a little longer because it wasn't like he was carrying a lot of weight around on his knees he rarely got injured he just didn't take care of himself the way a lot of these other guys do. So if you're looking at Iverson as your example, you should be like, yo, let me not do that. You can look at Pac-Man. Pac-Man played in Tennessee. Every time he went to the strip club, it seemed like somebody got shot. 
he had like three different incidents where people got shot at strip clubs. Yeah, he fighting at the airport. He got fighting at the airport. And I get it. Yeah, everything might not be your fault. But how is it that so many other people in your profession can make it from point A to point B without having these problems in the middle and then it's on you? You have to be you have to take an introspective gaze and say, Am I putting myself in the best position possible? You can have a good time. I'm not saying you can't go out, but strip clubs are a hotbed for problems. That is just a simple fact. Especially Go when you're club, out of town. When you're out of town, you probably have a big entourage because for some reason, having a big entourage makes you feel safe. No, it makes you more vulnerable because everybody in your entourage isn't going to act accordingly. Too much vodka for one person. Now you're going to fight. And people don't necessarily fight no more. You know what I mean? Like you might throw some hands for a couple of minutes, but then somebody going to the trunk after that. So, yeah. you know, you're endangering yourself. You know, easy to sneak a knife in some Tim's. Mm-hmm. A pair of Tim's and the security guard don't really want to pat you down. You can walk right in with a six inch blade in your Tim's. No and, and that's where, like, for some of these instances that have gone down, that's where I'm like, you got goons, allegedly, you know, this entourage, you got cousins or somebody you know that can take these things for you like i'm sure you know he's fronting i know what that looks like like i said <laughs> i grew up on base i remember i was like 11 years old we lived yeah. on base sixth grade these dudes had we had just banging a little rock the documentary came out on hbo if you haven't seen oh yeah banging a little rock yo yes the blood 90s baby banging a little rock so when that came out, because at first we thought Crips and Bloods was just in Cal- California. And then we saw Banging a Little Rock. So then I'm at, I'm at this, the bus stop and I see these dudes, you know, my school, who I know their dads or moms are in the Army or Air Force. And they got green bandanas out of their pocket. I'm like, what is that for? They're like, yo, we in a gang. I'm like, what gang? They're like, yeah, we this. I was like, yeah, we live on base. Like your parents <laughs> don't even pay rent. Like, what are you talking about? You pay for cable. What's your like? Where's your struggle? At? I'm 11. I'm 11 years old. I'm telling this to my other. I'm like, where's your struggle at? Like, why are you in a gang? Like, we hey, live you, on you base. remember my um? You remember my nickname for Paul Pierce, right? Pyru wow. Paul. You know what I'm saying? Because you remember the playoff game. He was throwing up signs against dogs. A lot of those guys do, and I, and I get it. <laughs> I get to not forget where you came from. I'm all about that. But if you didn't come from there. And you're just acting like you came from there, then you'll do stuff like pull a gun out on IG Live. Because yeah. if you're really about that action, when I was talking Instagram, last thing you wanted was your picture snap. That's a quote from Sean Carter. Yep. It's 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 for clout, it's it's fraudulent. Yeah, and that's you can't why, you can't why, visit that's that. We can't figure it out because it's like, you, yo, this isn't authentic. You can't visit that. Like you you either in it or you out it. You can't just be visiting, dropping in when you feel like it, like because you know what? Because even if his intention is to look a certain way, that what that means on the other side is he's being seen that way. So as what he's going to be when, when you're not about that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Somebody's going to put hands on him or something. Like I said, I'm not trying to pile on him, but like the game against the Bulls, he had a guy, like the guy grabbed him to stop, like to stop a, a layup attempt. 
So Ja didn't like how he was getting fouled. So he was trying to mush the ball on the dude's face. The dude's face was like this. And he was literally holding Ja up, and he was, like, on his tippy toes. <laughs> and then Stephen Adams had to come over there because Stephen Adams is, is built like some kind of New Zealand Viking god or something. He comes right. over there, let me go ahead and settle all this. Yeah, and he was the one trying to get to Shea. <laughs> yeah. So he, you know, certain people are about their life, and it's like, it's okay to not have this 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 aura like you don't have to walk around trying to be Suge Knight because even Suge got knocked out in the streets outside of the club so somebody mm-hmm. gonna be better than you mm-hmm. you don't have to create these conflicts to prove anything you proved it by being one of 400 people to have this job and not only you one of 400 people to have this job you're one of the highest paid people out of these 400 to have this job mm-hmm. there's not many people in the world who are capable of doing what you are currently doing or have ever done it at the level that you're doing it. That should be enough. Not I'm one of another thousand people who blows money in strip clubs. I'm another one of these 5,000 people who flashes guns on IG Live. I'm one of these people who fights at basketball games. Everybody does that. You are a unique specimen on this earth you have a unique talent you have a unique opportunity and you're blowing it away trying to do mundane ridiculous stuff you got to tighten up it's that simple because you can be replaced you are exceptional but you can be replaced got to you know and, and and that's what makes me sad about it because i like the dude you know like as far as what he does on the court you know, like the antics are a little much, you know, I guess I'm in my old man get off my lawn stage now. But, you know, but like John Morant is. Important to so many people, you know, not just like us as fans or forget that part, but like the people that he actually touch is the people he touches in life. You know, he's he's important to them. He's a figure to them, you know, like kids are looking at him. People are going to emulate him thinking that he's cool. Because, you know, they're going to like the picks. They're going to do all that stuff. They're going to try to emulate it. So, you know, so that's the, those are the things where he's still a little young. So he might not be thinking about that, you know, when he's doing these things. And, of course, Charles Barkley had the whole, I'm not a role model, you know. And I'm not saying Ja should try to be a role model if he doesn't want to be whatever. But in in a way, he's going to be a role model one way or the other, whether he wants yeah. to be or not. So, you know what I mean? There's a certain responsibility that comes with that. You know, like you don't see, you know, people on ESPN out here, you know, smacking people in the street. You know, there's a certain responsibility that comes with being in the public realm in that way. And that's something that he may have to just find out the hard way. You know, I hope he doesn't get a 50 game suspension. You know, I hope that he gets to be around for the end of the season and get geared up for the playoffs and all that good stuff. But that's up to him to some degree. Yeah, you, you, it's it's not even about being smarter or being wiser. You just, you got to be able to see, you got to look at yourself honestly and say to yourself, did someone do this to me or am I doing this to myself? Because we're going to talk about a lot of topics today and, it's, you know, it could be a lot with players getting drafted there's always someone who might come out with a story that they heard about something that happened and you could tell it's a you know a deliberate smear campaign for lack of a better word. 
with Jive is basically like, yo, you were sitting there holding your own phone in your own private area and decided to share your behavior with everybody as if there was no consequence mm-hmm. in the midst of you being implicated or investigated whatever adjective you want to associate with with this assault and potentially flashing a firearm on a a child under 18 as a child i don't know what the size of the kid was he could have been a six foot five 200 he's still a child 17 years old you and your friend allegedly jumped him like why do you have a child at your house and you jump him over a basketball game like, how are you getting that intense in that moment? How are you not able to regulate your emotions in that event? Like, why is a 17-year-old there? Is it there because you're some kind of neighborhood or big brother program and you got so out of hand that you and another adult friend <laughs> Like, you have to understand, like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, and, and, that's, and that's the part. It's like, when I watch a movie, I want to understand the plot lines, the characters, I don't want the story to make sense. When a movie ends, I'm like, okay, I got it. But if the movie is going through and it doesn't make any sense, it's mind-boggling. It's like, you could have made this make sense. You could have done things that make this make sense to me. You could have done things that are clear. You could have done things, like, in a concise manner. You could have done things that show that, you know, these actions are well thought out. It doesn't look like that. Right. That's the sad part, because he has a grand opportunity I mean, his extension kicks in next year, and I think his extension is in the area of $192 million. $192 million. That's F.U. money. That's like setting your family up, your family, your family, family up money. Mm-hmm. That's like, in, in Shannon Sharp said today, like, yeah, you can get, you want to go to the hood? Go back and buy it. Mm-hmm. Go back and rebuild it. Yeah, you know what uh, Jay-Z felt like when he went in Dumbo building? Dumbo. So, that's enough of that. So, Ja Morant, you know, we hoping that everything works out. We want to see you on the court. We just want to see you going forward being the star that we know you can be. And if you want to keep it on the court, but if you want to have this type of energy, you might save that for the Warriors with all that trash that you've been talking yeah. So, you know, so now, the West. You know, yeah, yeah, he okay in the West. So, you know, tags and contracts, you know, so there have been six players in the NFL that have got a franchise tag. So they are as follows. Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys, Josh Jacobs of Raft's Las Vegas Raiders, you know, <laughs> Darren Payne of my Washington Commanders. Evan Ingram of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Saquon Barkley of the Giants, and the guy who thought it was one way, but it's the other, Lamar Jackson. But before we get to Lamar Jackson, because I know you got some stuff to say about that, before we get yeah. to Lamar, any thoughts, any, any thoughts on the other players that got tagged or uh, any of the contracts that we've seen this week? My the NFLPA needs to sit down and figure out what the minimum 
a running back should be able to get of the salary cap because it's they're cheating running backs. They're cheating them. They're exploiting those guys physically, and they're flat out robbing them in plain sight. These guys put their body on the line. I'm not saying everybody does it, but there's 11 defenders on defense. If Derrick Henry runs the ball to the left on first down and to the right on second down and up the middle on third down, he probably got hit by seven to eight of those guys multiple times in those three plays. And the safety and the corner on the other side don't make any contact at all. So everybody's not out there throwing their body around every single play. Every time a running back gets the ball, there's a potential that another 250 or 260 or 300-pound dude is trying to hit them. They're getting piled on. Even the offensive linemen hit them to push the pile. So these guys are getting hit from every angle. And then when it comes to getting paid, they get tagged. Okay, franchise tag. You're going to get an average of the top five top five earners in your position. Cool. These dudes got $10 million. $10 million. I'm not scoffing at $10 million, But Danny Dimes just got 40 Michael Thomas rolled his ankle when Tom Brady first got to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's retired two. Tom Brady's retired twice, and Michael Thomas hadn't caught two touchdowns since that game against Tampa Bay, New Orleans, when he shouldn't even been in the game anyway. Shout out to Sean Payton, go like Denver. But he's getting like 20 something million. DeAndre Hopkins. That's suspended for PEDs. He getting like 30 million or 20 plus million. So all these, everybody's getting paid. I think even tight ends get paid more than running backs. And they have the argument that, oh, I got to block a defensive end and I got to go out here and try to beat a safety or a linebacker to catch a pass. Okay, cool. Try being run over by a defensive tackle or running through a linebacker or then getting hit by the safety. Every single time you touch the ball, 20 to 25 touches a game. So they need to figure out a a formula that says you have to pay your top running back X percentage of your salary cap if you're going to franchise that. It can't just be the top of what everybody's getting because no one's – Christian McCaffrey, everyone was all crazy when Christian McCaffrey got traded from Carolina to San Francisco. He's making $12 million. There's safeties. Backup safety is making 12. And he has the highest base salary of the running backs, you know, with his injury history and everything. So before we get to Lamar, um, what stood out to me going back to your point was Josh Jacobs, you know, ran for 1,653 yards this year, rushing champ, 4.9 yards per curry. He's averaging a half a first down per curry. And he got franchise tagged. And he's only 25 years old. Now, if he was 27 going 28, you know, you, you, they start to wear down. But he's only 25. So there was no reason to me, you know, outside of you just don't do it, that the Raiders couldn't pay him. You know, he earned his keep. Uh, Pollard, I understand the tag a little bit just because I'm only going to say that because he's coming off the injury. That's the only reason that I'm saying that. If he wasn't injured, I wouldn't understand that either because they, they just back off injury. 
Well, you know, they just gave Zeke, you know, six years, 90 million a couple of three years ago now. We three saw years that ago now. Land back in the place on the on the carpet in Dallas. He ankle dislocated. He slammed on the ground, popped it back in the place. They still paid Dak. I think he walked away with $90 million that year. So they could have paid Pollard. The reason they don't pay Pollard because the NFL, once again, I'm going to use this word a lot in our podcast if you follow us for the next thousand episodes, leverage. The NFL doesn't use their leverage at all. They need to support the running back because they are being publicly just ostracized from getting money. Because every every conversation about a team when they talk about why they win games is the running game. Mm -hmm. But yet, they don't want to pay the running back. So the same media pundit will say, oh, Baltimore's ability to run the ball is what separates them. They don't need to throw the ball 45 times a game like the Chargers or the Bills or the Bills' lack of running game is what's going to hurt them in the playoffs. But yet, when it comes to paying the guy who ran for 1,600 yards, uh, we don't know yet. Like, what else do you need to see? Well, I think the the thing that I'm interested in now you know, especially from the running back perspective, is the word on the street is at the combine, Tennessee was shopping Derrick Henry around. So I'm interested to see where he could potentially end up. You know, we'll come back to that another day, but but I'm interested to see where he could end up. But with Lamar Jackson, not only did the Ravens tag him, they gave him the exclusive tag, which is about $13 million less than the non-exclusive tag, which means we talked about this. I brought this up before when we talked about contracts the first time. So now he's a restricted free agent for lack of better words. You know, another team can make him an offer that he can agree to. Baltimore has a window to agree to that offer or they get two draft picks. So I'm going to let you have the floor because I know you wanted this one. You were chomping at the bit, but, you know, all I'm going to say about this real quick, Real quick, yeah. is collusion. You know they they saw the the owners the owners saw Deshaun Watson, you know who was under criminal duress, <laughs> get this fully guaranteed contract, biggest contract in NFL history, and they said uh-uh, that ain't gonna happen. What you got, Raph? Baltimore is doing themselves a disservice by not. I mean, like, I want to quote Shannon Sharp, but I want to make sure I get it right. He says something today. He said, a wise man learns from others' mistakes. A fool only learns from his own. Essentially saying, like, a fool isn't going to, you're not going to do any better because you're not learning from somebody else's mistakes. Dallas had their situation with Dak, but he franchise tagged them twice. When they could have paid him about $27 million before Cousins signed his deal, I believe. They could have got him for 20 I think they could have got him for somewhere between 26 and 28 Because the, the argument was, is Dak worth $28 million? And then the price of the brick went up while he was franchised. Then Kirk Cousins got a fully guaranteed deal. Then After got his franchise tax. Mm-hmm. Jerry Goff got a big deal. Carson Wentz got a big deal. Maybe Mahomes deal kind of snuck in there somewhere, I believe. I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sure about the timeline. But I know 
by the time Dak was coming around, 40 was the new 28. So you franchise them twice. So that was guaranteed money. So that was about 60 plus guaranteed. And then you had to sign them off of an injury that he had to have multiple surgeries on because like an infection or it just didn't heal properly and he had like a longer rehab. But you still had to sign them because you couldn't franchise them again because you did it twice. So now you have Baltimore. And I'm not saying that Lamar is the best quarterback in the league, but what he is is the best quarterback you have available. He's your best chance of winning. You don't pay him based on how another team feels about their quarterback. I give you that part. You don't have to give him the fully guaranteed contract. If Initially, if that's your conversation, that's fine. But you can't put him in a position where he can leave or you're putting him in this position where you're just letting him know we're good with you leaving because this this kind of franchise, because they could have given the other franchise tag, which would have locked him in for $45 million, which would have put the ball in his court. Do you want to play for $45 million for the 2023-2024 season? Yes, sign it. Come in here, learn a new offense. Stay healthy. We'll renegotiate next February. Okay. You can bet on yourself. And I get that narrative that they say guys bet on themselves. But they put this other tag where another team can come in, offer him, and give up two first-round picks. We'll say you're Tampa Bay at 19. Okay, we'll give you 19 and our pick next year. But they're looking at it like this. If we get Lamar, if we give up 19 this year and then we get Lamar Jackson, we're drafting, they're thinking they're drafting 26, 27, 28 next year. So, yeah, you can have that pick, too. Because Lamar can make he, he can make up for you not having another running back. He can make up for you not having another wide receiver just because he's so dynamic. And I like that because Tampa got weapons. So, but so now Baltimore is just going to let him just go to what? To prove what point? Are you trying to prove the point that we aren't going to bow to what Cleveland did because they're a bitter rival? Is that your is that your your leverage? Is it you don't want to deal with the fact that Lamar doesn't have an agent because most agents normally represent multiple players for the same team. So if I'm if I'm an agent, you know the Rutley Group, you know I'm a, a lawyer and I have a player, I'm not gonna fight. I might not fight as hard for my one guy to get a guaranteed deal because I got six other guys I got to negotiate with the same GM. I can't fall out of favor with this team because I need them to be on my side because we are essentially all working together in this conglomerate of contracts and money. Well, the Mars working is, it says self-represented. So the, some rumors that his mother haven't heard anyone give a press conference. Some people said maybe they do have a lawyer. They don't. No one really knows. I don't know what the professional expertise is of his mother. I don't know what, what her occupation is. If she was a lawyer, if she's a businesswoman, or whatever the case may be, if she knows money, if she knows contract, is she a lawyer? Does she go to law school? Do they have like a close family friend that's also tied? Like, I'm not sure exactly how they're representing it, but I know that the Ravens would probably want him to have a regular standard CAA or William Morris lawyer. That way he can relay the information to Lamar like, hey, we don't think you're that good. But you tell you tell a man's mom we don't think he's that good. It's a little I different. Your problem. It's a little different. It's a little different. So 
I think realistically they should have just they should have just been honest. I said, listen, at the end of the season, after the playoff loss, Lamar's on a trading block. Just, I mean, it's like I said, if you operate through your lens of truth, you know if you wanted this quarterback on your team, you would make the concession to appease him in the best way possible. Granted, maybe you can't give him, you can't give him two thirty point two guaranteed, but can you give him three hundred million and a hundred eighty guaranteed? Seventy five at signing, you know? Can can you can you do what you can need to do to get this guy in the building? Because what happens is. When you don't have that player in place, now you've got Bateman tweeting at the GM. I'm pretty sure the text messages exchanged between player and GM, because he shouted out Lamar, saying you keep blaming Lamar for all of this. So now I'm pretty sure their correspondence via text message that isn't on Twitter is probably a lot of like, man, can you believe the fuck they said? Yada, yada, yada. Excuse me, my name's going on YouTube. Can you believe this? They keep these people keep doing this to us, yada 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 yada. And it's like, I don't care what, how good of a coach you are, if you don't have if you don't have the locker room, man, there's nothing you can do. Well, see, what got me is right before we started recording this, <clears throat> I saw a tweet from Field Yates saying that there are five teams that have made it known that they're not going after Lamar Jackson. So I can't remember the fifth team right now, but four of those teams are the Falcons, the Commanders the Raiders and the Dolphins. Now, two of those teams, Commanders and Raiders, could probably really use them. Absolutely. <laughs> you One, know, so two first round picks. Yeah, so the Dolphins, the Dolphins don't necessarily need them because, you know, it just depends on, you know, what Tua is going to do next year and and his health. You know, the Falcons don't necessarily need them because, you know, they just drafted a quarterback even though I, I if he's available, why not? But, you know, we'll just keep it there. So so you know like why is that out right now? Because he just got tagged. Well, the report for the tag just came out five, yeah. six hours ago. Yeah. You know, like, why are there already five teams letting anyone know that they're not going after him? And and this is where I get into the collusion piece, because the owners need to be protected from themselves, because here it comes. The owners are dumbasses. You know, like, they give these contracts with no consequence or no what's the word, long-term thought. They just want to get the job done. This is the market. I got to give them this, you know, whatever the case may be. So Lamar Jackson is sitting here like, all right, I'm an MVP. I'm an all-pro. Huntley came in. He got a Pro Bowl bid just because people were hurt or whatever the case may be, but y'all didn't win that playoff game. So Lamar's sitting here like, but I turn around. And then I see Daniel Jones get forty million. And then shout out. No hesitation. Yeah. Falling. No hesitation. No play on the. You know, like yeah, they put Danny Dimes. He had to play in his last year. They didn't pick up his option. But it was like, all right, prove yourself, and we'll pay you. Yeah. And they paid him forty million. And then shout out to Geno Smith. You know, getting three years, one hundred and five million. You know. They took care of him, $35 million a year. And then Dirk Carr, you know, ended up with 37 and a half. So I'm looking at Lamar, or I'm look, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, okay, 
Dirt Carr basically got ran out of town. You know, Daniel Jones was on his way out of town, you know, until 15 touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Until until he threw for like 200 yards, like a third of the season, you know, or whatever. But but I'm but I'm the MVP. Well, I am a I'm an MVP. You know, I have a playoff win under my belt, too. Just one. But I have a playoff win under my belt where I was the X factor that ran for a 48 yard touchdown to bust the game open. So if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm like, what are y'all thinking? But if I'm the Ravens, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, bro, last two seasons, where were you? You know, last five games of the year, you weren't here. So but and, and if that's the stance that the Ravens are taking, I don't understand this move because there was a cleaner way to get out of Lamar Jackson if that's what you wanted. So that's where I feel that just me thinking these owners are saying you can't let him Deshaun you. Like that was an anomaly. We can't let that happen again because guess what? You know, I got quarterbacks coming up in the next couple of years. You know, like Herbert's going to need a deal at some point. You know what I mean? Like what are you going to do? If if you give Lamar, you know, 55 million a year or whatever, 300 guaranteed, then Herbert's going to want 310. Without the MVP. But the thing is, those other quarterbacks are getting their deals done. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, we'll talk about him too, he held Green Bay's feet to the fire. And they still paid him a lot. Tom Brady retired and came back, they gave him a deal. And I'm not saying that just because these guys have proven what the case may be, but like if you look at the season prior to the deal being signed, it was like, or the the supporting cast around him is like, Lamar deserved his deal two all seasons ago. You signed that deal, and you they could have signed it before Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson got a four year one sixty extension from Houston before the allegations came out two summers ago. They could have signed Lamar to that same deal and been locked in, and it could have been $80 million guaranteed because that was the standard then. I think Kirk Cousins got the three-year $84 million. It was all guaranteed, but it was only three years $28 million. So, yeah, I can fully guarantee $84 million, but, yeah, I'll give you $160. I'll guarantee $86 million. That way you have more guaranteed money than Kirk. And the deal's in place, it's signed, and you're playing, you don't have these problems. Dallas did this exact same thing. It worked out for Dallas because ultimately they paid Dak, and Dak has been a model citizen. He was Walter Payton's man of the year. And they've had, you know, Mark McCarthy's been, was it, 24 and 10 the last two years. So it's not like they haven't been a successful team. They're one of the highest priced road tickets to get the Dallas Cowboys, so Dak on the road, number four jerseys, CeeDee Lamb jerseys, that 88 is, is, so it's more than just, I don't want to pay this guy because he's not throwing the ball the way Justin Herbert's throwing. It's like Lamar Jackson is box office. So if Lamar, I'm a Falcons fan. The Falcons, don't, I don't think they play in the Northeast. I think maybe one game next season. But if the Ravens are playing the Jets and the weather looks nice, I'll go check it out. I'll wear my Falcons jersey, but I'll go check it out because Lamar is box office. So so what do you see as the conclusion of this? Is Lamar going to hold out 
Or, you know, like, is somebody going to come through in the 23rd hour? I've been racking my brain with that. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know because I look at it like this. Like, I give you this analogy. Imagine a, a, a guy's having an issue with his wife. And they, they're working on it. They're going back and forth, going to counseling, working on it, working on it. And the counselor says, listen, you guys got to figure this out by the end of summer. And then he takes a couple of days to hang out with his friends and he comes back August 29th and she moved all his clothes to the basement. So now y'all having this conversation in the living room. Are you thinking like, hey, now let me bend back to you so I can move my stuff out of the basement back up into the room? You already made the decision. You moved all my stuff out of the room. You moved me. You didn't kick me out of the house. I still got a house, i.e., you still got a contract, 32 half, 32 million. You still, you're still going to get a lot more money than the rest of the world. So mm-hmm. you still have this house. You still have your, but it's like, yeah, I've already made the decision that I don't want you in my space with me. I'm, I'm gonna have you in the basement. So it's like, you know what? I'm gonna pack all my stuff up in the basement. I'm gonna get out of here. I think that's what Lamar's thinking. And I think the Ravens, if once you move the stuff down to the basement, you're good with them moving out because you already made the decision to move them out of the room. What's different than moving out of the house? And I think that's where they are. The only problem is these statements. These statements came out before they potentially even had a conversation with Lamar of any in-depth conversation. You and I talked. We've talked for three hours today. And we haven't gotten all the resolutions of the stuff that we wanted to talk about. So how can these five teams have, you know, determined that, oh, we don't, we're not going after Lamar at all, as if he's not a top talent? Well, like, well, like, if I'm the Raiders, well, if I'm the Raiders, you know, you got Mahomes in your division, you got uh, Herbert in your division, and they ain't going nowhere. You know, these are young dudes. They ain't going nowhere. These aren't 32-year-olds, and you're thinking you could wait it out three more years during the rebuild. Like, in that three years, they're going to be there, and somehow Mahomes is going to be even better by then, probably. You know, and then, you know, and then, you know, Russell Wilson has the quarterback whisperer. So, you know, he might be on the comeback, too. You want to but- charge $600 a ticket and <laughs> at the Legion Stadium? You want to charge 600 bucks for a Sunday <laughs> ticket in, in Las Vegas? You got Justin Herbert coming in once a year. You got Russell Wilson coming in once a year. You got Pat Mahomes coming in once a year. And they're all matched up against Lamar Jackson. Like, if, that, if that's the thing that you could do, come on, man. Those tickets, you know, like, there's, like, a DJ bar booth, like, VIP section at that stadium where people pay, like, $100,000, dollars $300,000 for those tickets and those seats. Mm-hmm. You could charge a million dollars for that if you have Lamar Jackson against Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. in Vegas on Sunday night. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just trying to figure out why wouldn't the Raiders want him, you know, because the Raiders are like the renegade outlaws that go against the grain anyway. So, like, why wouldn't – maybe they're trying to do something different. You know, if you're Washington, you know, I don't know. Like, you got to make Terry McLaurin happy, don't you? You know, like, I don't know if Sam Howell is it because, I mean, I like the dude, but he was a fifth-round draft pick. So that played one game. You know, against it's Dallas, against Dallas. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's the talk of the town, you know, but like going back to your point, Tampa, you already got Mike Evans in place. 
you know, you got Godwin in place. I believe he might be coming close to being a free agent. Um, but, you know, he's still there for them. Ate him, but he was injured. So I think they got a favorable deal because he's yeah. coming off the ACL. So, so, so there you go. You know, get Lamar Jackson, draft your running back in the third or fourth round, you know, whatever, and just and just get it loaded. You know what I mean? Because we talk about that all the time. The division, you know what I mean? Like, you got Derek Carr, and everybody else is either unproven or the Carolina, Carolina's going to have a rookie probably. Carolina so, has six quarterbacks in their quarterback room, and none of them could get you. Yeah, you have get, six quarterbacks. You don't have one. You, you don't know? have one. <laughs> so that's where yeah. we are at this point. So so how so I don't know how these teams are sitting around just not even if I'm Carolina, you know, you got DJ Moore, you know, and you got a running game. So I mean I mean you I mean I don't know. Unless you think that Bryce Young, you know, CJ Stroud, Levis and Richardson, if you think one of those four are gonna reverse your fortune, then by all means. You know what I mean? But Lamar is proven. You know, I mean, it sounds like an easy choice to me, but I'm not a GM. Sounds easy choice, but I, I believe it's a little bit more petty. I think it's petty. I think it's pettiness on multiple, multiple fronts, and they should have just they should just cut the cord and made a deal and tried to make a deal. They should just say straight up the same way Tennessee is potentially shopping Derrick Henry. Like, listen, we're the Baltimore Ravens and we're shopping Lamar Jackson. The relationship is unsalvageable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we are there, too. Um, so speaking of those dudes that I mentioned, am I going to wake up in 15 years and Anthony Richardson is going to be the mythical Michael Jordan of football? No. That, like, he never lost. You know, he won three championships. He was 3-0 and in the Super Bowl, but... He only made the playoffs those three times. Is he going to be that guy? No, nah, you can go ahead. You ain't got to worry about that. It's not going to happen. I'm not, not, I heard at the combine. I heard. I heard at the combine that this dude about to be number one. He about to be a star. Yeah, and then also heard who was Patrick Mahomes when Andy Reid moved up to draft him. So it's not an exact science. <laughs> and Mitchell Trubisky got drafted before Patrick Mahomes in that same draft, where the Bears moved from three to two to take him when San Francisco was going to take a defensive lineman. So, <laughs> safe to say that our level of intelligence and theirs is not like, it's not a huge gap. They're not <laughs> they're not operating on a different academic intellectual plane as the rest of us. They say and bloviate the most random stuff as well. Bryce Young was is, is Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, 40 pounds lighter and four inches shorter. Like, stop it. Like, that's 204 pounds, huh? 204 pounds. Yeah, with fish weights in his pocket. <laughs> they didn't check his socks. Dude is 190 something. He's 5'9 and a half, 5'10 tops, 185. They pay the combine people to get the scales because Kyler Murray got measured when, the year he got drafted at the combine, but didn't at his pro day. Why not? Yeah, if you're if you are if I get measured tomorrow in the gym, I am five foot eight and a half, and I weigh what I weigh. You don't need to be in my business. 
But if I get weight again on height and weight on Saturday, it'd be the same thing. So I don't know why that. But for some reason, the combine tends to give favorable height measurements to guys. I'm not saying it's a business ploy, but the NFL is big business and we need to be able to get people to watch the combine and everything else from February, March through the yeah, draft. I also, also heard that uh, I also heard that Will Levis had the Peyton Manning sign of approval. But the one thing that I don't understand about that, I saw Will Levis get beat out by Sean Clifford. You know, who's about Stetson Bennett's age and didn't get invited to the combine. Yeah, I saw Will Levis throw out routes that are very they weren't Peyton Manning with the accuracy. Um, like I think the quarterback position is the quintessential, like sexy position. People use that term quarterback of our company. Like when you talk about the CEO, quarterback of our family, when you talk about the head of the household, people use it. People are enamored with quarterbacks. People are, have this allure with quarterbacks all the time. And we get it. The problem is teams aren't built from the quarterback out. And if you're a team drafted in the top 10, unless you made some kind of trade, normally you have a lot of like holes to fill in your, the core of your team. The core of your team, to me, without a doubt, is your offensive defensive line. Can you protect the quarterback? Can you put pressure on the other one? Most teams who are drafting that high either are really bad at one or both. And it's not just quarterback play, because if you look at it, you could look at like so you could look at a, a slant route that Justin Herbert throws. It just is just on time. It's not like he's doing anything different than Davis Mills. It's just Davis Mills might not have the same amount of time up front. He might not have the same amount of leeway for mistakes because if he makes a turnover and your defense is no good, now you're down seven zero after that turnover, and the defense knows you got to throw it. You know, you can't run the ball in this third and eight every single time because you can't get any push up front. The defense knows, oh, this is a throwing down. Mm -hmm. And our ears back. We're going to play zone over top, and maybe we, we shoot, we send one extra guy. And now your drive's over. And now it looks like you have no idea what you're doing. So teams that are drafting that high normally need playmakers in the trenches. But we as fans love the quarterback. So there's no reason for what I heard earlier of four guys going in the top 10. They had Stroud going two to the Colts. So whoever came up with this mock draft had Indianapolis trading with Houston to go from four to two. Stroud, first quarterback coming off to the Colts at two. Then Bryce Young going four to Houston. Anthony Richardson going eight to Atlanta and Will Levis going nine to Carolina. And I get that someone can talk you into it by saying you can't let a franchise quarterback just slip through your cracks. If you have a chance to get one, you take them. But you can't convince me that a guy's a franchise quarterback in the NFL when his completion percentage was 54 percent in college or. A guy only threw 19 touchdowns and 12 picks in college. 
It's like you need I need some I need some I need more than that, especially with the spread offenses. And then you have defenses out there. It's not a bunch of NFL defense that you're playing every single week. You should be able to get me more than 19 passing touchdowns if you have this cannon. You should be more accurate than 54% if you don't even throw the ball that much. If you throw the ball 200 times a year, you should be able to complete 125, 130 of them. You shouldn't be out here struggling to barely stay above 50% if your combine numbers are the numbers I'm going with. So I think... And then Vegas has jumped on it because they want they want people to bet it because Anthony Richardson before the combine or on February 16th, his odds of going number one were 80 to one. So you bet 10 bucks, you win 800. Now, if you bet 10 bucks, you win $40 because his odds are down to four to one. With like the, the film didn't change. Bryce Young didn't change. CJ Stroud didn't change. The Bears are still the number one pick. So where are these numbers coming from? Well, well, they well, what he did was he jumped out the stadium. <laughs> you know what I mean? He ran around the stadium before anybody could blink. And he even had a ten foot nine broad jump. You know what I mean? So like then all that tells me is that outside linebacker. All, yeah, all that tells me is he was probably playing the wrong position. You know, um, I'm all for a black quarterback because I know that there's been some hangups with that, you know, and like there's, the opportunities weren't always there. So I will never talk a black quarterback out of playing his position, right. you know, but 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 if this is the stuff that is making you wow over him, then you need to put him at another position because I don't know how much of that matters as a quarterback now. You got people like Lamar Jackson, so his speed will help. You know, he will get you some first downs, you know, all that good stuff. But I don't know if him being able to jump 40 and a half is going to win you a Super Bowl. Like, unless maybe he'll he'll complete the play that Tyler Huntley messed up. He'll give you that. And I and that listen, I'm all like, I think he is a is a physical marvel. Mm-hmm. I think he's a physical marvel, but. The problem that I have with the the height that came with him is that the height and the expectations are going to line up, but you don't know if the foundation is there to be able to take on all of that height. If he could get to a team, let me see, who has a guy that's probably a couple of years away from retiring or, I mean, like, <laughs> Green Bay. <laughs> Green Bay. <laughs> Who? Like, I think everyone has young quarterbacks. I mean, maybe, maybe LA. I think that's maybe if Tannehill stays in Tennessee and they made a decision on Malik Willis and he falls in them in the second or third round. I like that idea. Well, see, Malik Willis was a guy that I had thought about because with these overreactions, you know, he came out of um, last year, you know, with all the hype before the draft. Like, everybody was like, you know, he's a can't miss. Coming out of Liberty, you know, VA stand-up, you know, coming out of Liberty, everybody thought that he was going to be a good quarterback. And I'm not saying that he's not because it's still early. But, you know, he ended up going third round. Yeah, so, 
supported a third round quarterback. I think he was like, I think he had barely a couple more touchdowns over his interception ratio, and his percentage wasn't that great either. Mm-hmm. He just was a dynamic athlete, big arm, and I get it. And I, but I felt the same way about Desmond Ritter. I felt the same way about Kenny Pickett. I felt the same way when Mitchell Trubisky got drafted second overall. Like I felt like, yo, you guys are reaching for a guy when you don't have to. It's like no one's gonna. If you're the only team that thinks this guy's the number one overall quarterback, then you don't have to reach at eight or nine. Will Levis, if no one if no one drafts him in the first round, I think there's only two guaranteed quarterbacks that go in the first round. All this smoke committers and everything else is going to be Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. However they go, that's how they go. I doubt any of them go to one unless somebody trades up to one because I think the Bears are locked in with Justin Fields. So you have those two guys, which makes the most sense because they were on the biggest stages. They made really big plays. They played for the big schools. And I get a lot of times when you play behind the Alabama line, you have a lot of space. But Bryce Young had a lot of plays where he was making throws on the run, making accurate throws, deep crosses, things like that. C.J. Stroud showed what he can do. He didn't run a lot throughout the season because the same thing they did with Justin Herbert. It's like, we don't have the depth at quarterback, so we can't afford him to take, you know, unnecessary hits. Like, if he gets sacked, he gets sacked. But yeah, I get it. I get it. Baltimore is going to draft Hendon Hooker. Oh, never mind. Anyway, so, uh, so, so Stroud or Young, which which way would you go? Um, I like the six. I like six three. I'm not a heightist or anything like that. I just think that I like the six foot three quarterback over the the guy who had size issues. I mean, unless. Because, I mean, we have a few examples. We can use – because I think Drew Brees was a little thicker. I think he was like that Texas thick. RG3 was one of those smaller guys, like barely 6'1". He looked big in college, but then you got him behind the the former Redskins line. It was like, this dude is rather small. Like, his helmet looked big. He looked like a little <laughs> kid out there. Um, So, Houston, get a defensive coach. If they stay at two, I think they'll take Bryce Young. I think they would just probably want the more polished quarterback, I guess. Um, I think Indy, Indy, you can stay at four. No one's jumping to three to get Stroud. And if you do, whoever's going to jump to three with Arizona, because Arizona has three, if Carolina calls and says, hey, we want to go, we want to get to three, Arizona's going to call Indy, like, listen, man, Carolina just called us. They're going to give us two first, two seconds, and two thirds to move up to three. Do we got we have three firsts from you? Because if Carolina's moving up to three, they're getting a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you gotta you got to get your opportunity. So you hold firm at four, and if someone comes in, they try to leapfrog you to three, then you just got to hit them with that haymaker from the heavens and just give that deal up to move up to get your guy. Mm-hmm. Because See, you like- give up something anyway. You're going to give up something to get to two or even one. But I think you can hold strong at four and still get your guy. 
Yeah, I like I like Young, you know, just from an improvision standpoint. Like he's that guy that just makes it happen. You know, the the size is a concern, of course. You know, but um, I think Stroud he got to play with those Ohio State receivers his whole career. You know, Bryce Young, granted, you know, he went to Alabama. So let's not do the, oh, they're poor now, you know, but he lost some receivers. You know, they didn't have their typical receiver that they had when, say, Mac Jones was there. So, you know, and he he still had a Heisman-like year this year. Alabama just lost two games, but and Caleb Williams just blew it out the water. But any other year, this is probably a Heisman-like, you know, he would have been in New York. Yeah, but know? he he has won. I know, I know, but but he can get invited again. He ain't gonna win it, but he can get invited again, you know. And uh, but I think you I started Max Duggan, that's for sure. Was was I going crazy or did I hear a little bit of Stetson Bennett talk? Stetson Bennett, I mean, he looked good, but he is like twenty five. He's the same age as Lamar Jackson. Yeah, like so he like his muscle maturity was was obvious. Something I watched his 40, he started cruising at 30 yards. He was like, he, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't seem like he ran all the way through his 40. He started like a four or five or something. And he was like kind of <laughs> cruising at the end. It was, it was, it was strange. It was, it was a strange thing to see. Um, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he can make the big throw. I don't know what kind of like, cause Georgia didn't really seem to have like that, like in depth, offensive you know check this lead and i think they just kind of overpowered teams up front and they just ran speed right at it they had a lot of running backs a lot of zone read sesson bennett was running wide open in the championship game off those those off those rpos and the read action plays so it just didn't seem as if like he ran like a complicated it was like the old texas tech thing where it's like basically we're just running so many routes guys are just open so whenever i get the ball it's not like oh i read through all of this it's like oh so many people are open i'm just gonna but throw know, but you know what's funny about that that offensive coordinator is the new offensive coordinator in baltimore see it just keeps coming back around it just keeps yeah but they, they have bringing all the georgia players to baltimore. yeah might get a couple in the draft well, you know, I, I think I liked um, – I had my eye on the wide receivers because um, there were some guys that I wanted to see, and they didn't do so well in the combine, um, those being Kayshawn Booty and uh, Jordan Addison, you know, from USC, formerly of Pitt, former Belitnikoff winner, you know, 5'11", 173, ran that 4'48", and everybody said he's probably the best route runner of the receivers in the draft or at least, you know, in the top echelon. But then they said, well, we thought he'd be a little faster, and he he just didn't blow us away with, you know, the reps and everything. And I said, hold up, wait. So he ran a 4-4-8. You claim that he's a top route runner. I don't see the problem. That, that, and remember, we talked about this before with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown wasn't a combine warrior. And look at what he became. Now, I am not saying that Jordan Addison is going to be Antonio Brown, but I'm just saying that I don't think that he should have this precipitous fall, you know, to the bottom of the draft. And then when I look at Kayshawn Booty, you know, coming into this season, you know, there were people in college football aficionados that said that Kayshawn Booty was the more talented receiver than Jordan Addison, who had just won the Bolitnikoff. 
So, you know, I don't think the combine, if you felt that way, I'm sure you have tape. You know, now Kayshawn Booty didn't have the best season this year either, you know, but you have tape. If you're drafting, you know, and I'm just imagining, you know, you've looked at Jordan Addison for a few years now. You looked at Kayshawn Booty for a few years now. Last time I checked, they not doing bench presses to get into the end zone. The the thing, like the, the thing with the combine is that it is simply a show. It's a show with very few moments of like that create like an epiphany for these GMs. If you had a guy and you thought he was fast, you could put the tape on. And if he's a linebacker and he's running side to side, sideline to sideline, making tackles, you know he's fast. If he's a DB and he's making pass breakups on in zone coverage, you know he's fast. You know he's instinctive. You know all the things with the tape on. So what happens is we come into the combine with these narratives. So you have different positions. They're talking heavily about Richardson. They're talking a lot about Booty. They're talking a lot about B. John Robinson. They're talking a lot about Will Levis. They're talking a lot about what quarterback doesn't throw, what quarterback does throw, what wide receiver doesn't run. So the whole thing is just reality TV being spun on NFL Network. So when a guy doesn't fit the narrative, you do one of two things. If he had a great combine, but he had an average season, i.e. what we did with Anthony Richardson is like, well, you put the tape on. You can look at the combine numbers and they were outstanding, but you put the tape on and he completed 53%. If C.J. Stroud had terrible throws, you are like, oh, well, put the tape on. You can see that when the rubber meets the road, he's a gamer, big time. He was a, a missed field goal away from beating Georgia in the national semifinal, and that's the narrative. But if the tape matches the combine performance, then it's like, boom, he's number one, i.e. if Bryce Young would have ran and thrown. Andrew Luck numbers, Cam Newton numbers is like, so you put the tape on, you put him in shorts and a T-shirt, and then you watch the performance at all. So there's no real reason because each one of the things, you could just find a different way to justify however you feel. If you feel a guy shouldn't go number one, You'll look at the tape and you'll say, see, yeah, he works really hard for the combine, but he didn't work that hard in practice. Drop him out of the first round. But like I say, Cam Newton, he hit the season with the Heisman and the national championship game and went over Alabama. And then he came into the combine and he ran four five five and he had his reps and he looked like he was chiseled out of granite. Boom. All of that goes together. He's number one. So it just none of it really makes any sense other than to drive these kind of conversations that we used to see on other TV shows. And now we have our own podcast to talk about it. Because he <laughs> knows who they're going to take. And I'm not taking a guy. If, if a cornerback got beat for multiple touchdowns all season long, but in these drills, his hips look fluid and he never stumbled. I'm not going to be like, Oh, you know what? This guy's going to turn around. No, he was getting beat in college for multiple touchdowns because, you know, lack of discipline or whatever the case may be. Just because he put on good cleats and he ran around Indiana 
Lucas Oil Fields and had a great time, you know, great performance. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he goes from the fifth round to the first round. Right. So that that's the kicker. So what they have yep. Will, Will Levis, Max Dugan, Stetson Bennett, a lot of these guys, most NFL teams don't need to reach for a quarterback. The teams right. that need a quarterback are in the top six right now. Well, well, you know, uh, coming into the combine and getting into draft season, for example, and right before we clicked on, you know, you were watching Deontay Banks, you know, from Maryland, you know, running the 40 and everything, you know, and he was hands down, you know, the best corner on Maryland and probably a top two or three corner in the Big Ten, you know, but now Ja'Cory and Bennett, you know, gets to the combine. Now, before the combine, you know, I read about how, he doesn't have the best break on the ball or he doesn't, you know, ball goes through his hands. Like he just, you know, he's not a complete corner. And then he ran a four, three. And then I heard like, well, is Deontay Banks even the one? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So this dude ran a four, three and you said that he can't break on the ball. Like, <laughs> like this dude is seven foot and he can't dunk. Like, what are we doing here? So, so you know, the combine just really, like, oh, it really chaps my hide, if you will, you know, like, it, like, because I just, because I try to understand, you know what I mean? I try to, like, look at it with an open mind, and I say, hey, you know what? But then when I look at it, you know, like, Gronk, you know, Gronk was another one who didn't impress with the bench pressing, you know what I mean? And probably became the greatest tight end ever, or, you know, at the worst top three. You know, like, so so I'm, I'm, there's too many examples of players who didn't meet whatever subjective criteria was placed in front of them that went on to become stars. Like, you know, I'm sure people, you know, back in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s was like, oh, that Joe Montana don't got no arm. And then, you know, four Super Bowls later. Jahir Rice ran like a 4-6. Mm-hmm. 4 six, I don't know what T.O. I don't know how T.O. performed at the combine. I don't know if Randy Moss went to the combine. Yeah. Well, T.O. I don't know. Was T.O. even invited? Because remember, he went to Tennessee Chattanooga. So was he even invited? Exactly. Randy Moss, rumor has it, in Florida State ran a four-one-three in the forty. I believe it too. But then, he, then he got kicked off the team, and he had to go to you know went back to West Virginia with the Marshall. So it was like. I understand the combine from a sense of you want to see some things. You want to see if what's on film matches what you see in shorts and t-shirt. And if it doesn't, you're like, okay, I'll evaluate. But the way people are making determinations based on, like, oh, just put the film on. It's like, no, like there's something else to it. Like Will Levis, his throws are all off. Yeah, and I heard he was a Tebow-like practice player as well. You know, that was something that what he is, has to repeat. What does that even mean? Like, he just worked really hard and he was... Like, no, no, as in, like, he looks awful in practice. Yeah, well, it looked like it. <laughs> he was throwing out routes. It's like five five yard outs. And the receivers were reaching back for the ball. Mm-hmm. Deep outs. Like, ball placement was bad. Max Duggan, his arm motion was a lot like T, like a right-handed T, but like a wind-up... Um, a lot of guys, when they were throwing a deep ball, it was a lot of air. So, I'm like, any good safeties yanked that out of the sky. See, I wonder, I wish, and I mean, for other reasons as well, but I wish Hendon Hooker didn't get hurt because I would have loved to have seen how he fits into this mix because he's the 
I think he's around the same age. He just turned 25. So same age as Stetson Bennett, you know, and I just wonder with the season he had, because you remember he started at Virginia Tech and he looked good, but he never really blew you away until he got in hypo system. So I want so I, so somewhere like Seattle behind Gino or like Kyler, like, you know, Arizona behind Kyler or something like that. Yeah, um, the injury. Maybe, maybe Minnesota gets gets a guy like that, like you know, a guy that needs a heal, but he can learn from Kirk Cousins. You know, well, the injury obviously hurt him because of his age. You know, that's the thing. So you know, we'll have to see how he comes back. Twenty five, so young man. That's seventeen. No, it is. But just like when, just like <laughs> when I listen to people talk about the NBA draft, you know, like the people, the, the talking heads, they're like, he's already twenty two. <laughs> 2006 for us. That was a long time ago. Like 25 is still very young. Yeah, I hear it. Modern medicine. You get a good team. I mean, he went, like I said, you know, you get a good surgery and you take your time to rehab. You're obviously not going to be a first round pick. Maybe you end up third or fourth round. You get your time to heal and then you get your time to shine. No, I'm telling you, somebody like Draymond Green, quarterbacks, if somebody like Draymond Green came out today, they would be like, I don't know, he's 22. Like, you know, that's a flag, you know, because <laughs> it's always, yeah, and I hear the same thing. It's like, oh, he stayed in college so many years. Was he not ready for the draft previous years? It's like, no, maybe he just wanted to. What does it to, matter if he's ready now? If he's ready, he just wanted to make sure he was ready. Maybe, maybe finishing college on a four year stretch was this person's plan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe like, he did it for his mom. Overall, Combine, it's, it's fun. It's just a bunch of guys running around and no bull. I don't know. I didn't know where this this brand came from. It's very new. I didn't. I know Red Bull. <laughs> All right, so there's no bull. So, like I said, I I thought they were getting rid of the combine. Hopefully, it's they get rid of it pretty soon. Because honestly, man, it's just like the only thing that I saw that was like interesting is the guy like unfortunately towards ACL offensive lineman from USC towards ACL. And did 38 reps of the bench press with the brace on. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah. Well the, big, well, the big thing I remember was uh, it was press conference time and uh, Jalen Carter had to go talk to some people. Yo, they still got him going. I heard of some today. They still got him num- going number one. Yeah. I mean, as a player, yeah. I mean, we'll see what else happens, you know, off the field. But, like, I mean – I like him. He I mean, two, I, he has two misdemeanor charges. That right. I mean, thing is like you can't you can't take a misdemeanor and then try to associate it with the death of uh, in the car accident. Right. The, the misdemeanors are, it, it's not like if it was a felony, then you can attach the felony to the death. But it's, this is a misdemeanor. You can't attach a misdemeanor to the death. But yeah, I like him. I like Will Anderson. You know, um, I might even lean Anderson, but, you know, I like both of them, and I think both of them are worthy of being the number one draft pick um, unless the Bears trade out, you know. So if the Bears I'm stay – Bears, I'm trading out. I'm trading out to six or seven. Yeah, if I'm the Bears, I might call Carolina, you know, like or, you know, somebody like that at nine and say, hey, what's up? Like, you want Richardson? Because without, without a doubt, you just need an offensive line because the offensive line will help you help your defense because – then you can stay on the field longer. Mm-hmm. You can give those guys, if you get a bunch of young guys, you give them time to get onto the Microsoft ter- Surface tabs and 
get with the coaches and you give them a breather and then you give them confidence because like, yeah, we gave up a touchdown drive, but our offense is out there moving the ball. They're going to get the touchdown back. We just got to get a stop next time. But if you're out there, you're just hoping and winging and flinging it around and you get another three and out and you get this defense that barely take the little mask off to breathe and then they're back on the field. Like football is so like, it's so nuanced. Um, but if you just look at the format and the formula of successful teams, that's that's where they win it at. Like they win it with the basic overall team concept of good special teams, get a good kicker that's gonna make kicks, a kicker you trust that way when it's a fifty-two yard field goal, the coach is like, We're not going for this fourth and six, we're gonna kick the fifty-two yard field goal, no matter what time it is in the game. But you have some teams where, like, you don't have trust in the special teams. You don't have trust in the punt protection. You don't have trust in the field goal kicker. You don't have – I mean, you just – like, the lack of trust. You don't have trust in the defense, so you go for it more often. The teams that win well – because Harrison Buckner missed a kick in the field goal and the Super Bowl. But they didn't try to score a touchdown to end the game. They were like, we're going to bring him back out, and he's going to kick this field goal. We're going to go three and win the Super Bowl. So yeah. teams have to be, build their teams, follow a good model, build their team, don't reach in the draft. Teams that reach in the draft recently, i.e. San Francisco, are suffering with it now. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder if Aaron Rodgers trusts Brian Gutekunst. I wonder if they've made up. That relationship might be as bad as the Baltimore one, but I think uh, Aaron Rodgers sleeping on a bed of money, I think it makes him feel better. Like, I think <laughs> you, like, Lamar Jackson's knee would have healed if you could have put some ice and some money around it. <laughs> I think it would have healed up pretty nice, and he would have been out there uh, with the money brace on for that <laughs> playoff game. But since there was no money in that ice, you know, it didn't heal. But Aaron Rodgers, you know, his his retreats and everything else, I'm pretty sure in that darkness retreat, he thought about this uh this this number we're gonna talk about here. Um $58.3 million guaranteed guys has to be paid out March 17th, between March 17th and week one of the season. Mm-hmm. So I think even in his darkness, he saw that green. Oh yeah, he saw that green, and it wasn't the uniforms. Because I heard him say after the game, after the uh, Detroit game, um, yeah, you know, they asked him, could he walk? Could you really walk away from sixty million dollars? And he was like, yeah, I made a lot of money. You know, I could. Political answer. Could could you? I mean, could you? I mean, his career earnings. Is he is he is 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 he going to end up at a stadium near you? Is he going to end up in, um, yeah, with Gang Green in East Rutherford? Yeah, with the J E T S Jets, Jets, yeah, the Jetropolitans. Nah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, the reason I don't think that he'll end up here is because, like, per my source, while like I'm saying that, I think Las Vegas makes, I wouldn't say more sense. I would just, if we, like, because we've already discussed this, you're going to make your case for the Jets. I'll make a case for the Raiders without even, like, a lot of details. Short of Devontae Adams is there. All right. 
it's warm. The stadium's brand new. The owner is willing to spend money. The offense can be tailored to you because of the way I think they ran like the West Coast offense and uh, Green Bay with like a lot of short passes, passes to the running back. Hence why Aaron Jones got a lot of passes in that playoff game, a lot of, you know, passes in the playoff game. And then Devontae Adams getting with with the deep shots. I think Josh McDaniels can tailor whatever he does with that New England office that he brought over to Las Vegas to make it work. And then when in doubt, you got Renfro, who runs great routes inside, Waller, who's a matchup nightmare, and then Devontae Adams, who you have chemistry with. Also, Josh Jacobs, a tough offensive line. And then I'm not sure if Chandler Jones is still on the books for next season. If he is, you got bookends with Chandler Jones and Crosby. You get eight to nine home games, depends on how many home games they get, whether because it's a 17-game season. <clears throat> so it gives you nine games indoors. It's a party environment. There's literally bottle service in the end zone. It's a party environment. All the ayahuasca you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so you have to play Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Those are going to be tough games. But if he went to the AFC East, he'd get Miami and Tua. We don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what I don't know what his health situation is. I don't know if it's because he hasn't really talked about it. Does that mean it's worse or that means it's better? Then you have Buffalo. And New England's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. The quarterback play is, isn't to the level of the AFC West. Right. But the right. overall grittiness. Yes, he played in Green Bay all those years. But that's cold games and... Foxborough, cold games, and Orchard Park, cold games, at home, outdoors. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you want to retire and go somewhere just as cold as you've been playing before? Or do you want to get nine games in the party capital of the United States of America with the owner that's playing with daddy's money? And and the guy you like to throw to. I think the we- I think the weapons are better. The weapons are older. Because he had issue with the young weapons in Green Bay. I think the weapons in Vegas make more sense. They got out of the books because they didn't pay Derek Carr that extension money. New Orleans is taking care of him. So they have the money to pay him. I say shoot down to Las Vegas. If you leave Green Bay, go to Las Vegas. So, you know, um, the Raiders are a good place for him for the reasons that you noted. So originally when I was looking at this, um, I was looking at it from the point of why Green Bay should get rid of him. So, you know, so one so one thing that I found interesting is, you know, I thought the Yets, the Jets, the Yets. <laughs> I thought the Jetropolitans was this super young team, you know, and their average age is actually the same age as Green Bay. You know, so that surprised me because I thought Green Bay – was a little older outside of the new receivers and all that stuff. And, you know, they've been together for a while, you know, he's been there. So I just thought they were a little older, you know, um, the jets do have, they come into next year toting the fourth ranked defense in the league from this season. So he has that help from the defensive standpoint that the Raiders don't have, you know, and that green Bay's defense is 
opportunistic, but I'm not sure they're a top tier defense overall. So he has that going for him. Um, you got your Josh Jacobs. You know, Jets have Brees Hall, you know, who was on his way probably to rookie of the year before he got injured last year. And then they also have Garrett Wilson, who ended up, you know, as the rookie of the year. So, you know, so they got talent, you know, and they got picks. You know, Green Bay, on the other hand, they should want to do this deal because it finally gives them the out to see what Jordan Love is. And, you know, I know Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers, but what I do know is they drafted Jordan Love and pissed Aaron Rodgers off. So you got to do something, you know, shit will get off the pot, right? So so, so Green Bay should want to do it for that reason. Um, So right now, if they pick up his uh, fifth-year option, they would pay him roughly about 20 million. They would pay Jordan Love roughly about 20 million. So that's a lot of money to be paying somebody to just collect dust on the bench, you know, and, you know, from the standpoint of how long y'all going to do this? Every off season, we have the same conversation. You know, he's been there for 16, 17 years now, you know, like you got one Super Bowl out of it. Congratulations. You know, that was 13 years ago. Like, are you any closer today to a Super Bowl than you were the last time you made the NFC championship game two or three years ago? Probably not. You know, so at this point at Green Bay, you're just holding on to hold on. You know, even Montana ended up in Kansas City. So, you know, like, it's just time. Brady went but, down to Tampa Bay. Yeah. And so so the Jets, the, the, the one knock that I would give the Jets – um, as far as a destination is not only do they have a defensive head coach, but he's still a relatively inexperienced head coach, you know, whereas uh, McDaniels, I don't like him as a coach, but, you know, he grew up with Belichick, you know, he, he, he knows how to, or he's seen how to run a team at least, you know, he has that, and he's an offensive coach, you know, get LaFleur is an offensive coach, but been there, done that. So, I think the Raiders, you know, thinking about it now in context, I think the Raiders are probably the better route to go. But one of the reasons I picked the Jets was because they are already talking to them. So it's already there. Like the Raiders still have to make their move if they choose to do so. But the Jets are actually, you know, talking to them today. So that's why I looked at it from that standpoint. But But I think the Jets are right there. Like even with Zach Wilson, they have a win over Buffalo, you know, this past season. You know, Zach Wilson was probably the worst quarter, starting quarterback in the league, not named uh, Mitch one. Trubisky. You not know, Mitch. I think statistically he was like his numbers were, his numbers career-wise are on par with Jamarcus Russell. Mm-hmm. Like as far as twenty games completion percentage, intercept touchdown interception ratio, win loss record, passer rating, everything was. It just he he looked like he he looked like he didn't take practice seriously. Like it looked like he was throwing a lot of those throws for the first time. I mean, some of them, like especially the last game where he got benched and they put the guy who was in the Canadian Football League in, some of those routes, it was like, man, he was throwing it was guys running wide open. Middle of the field, dig routes, boom, 15 yard in. It's them and the, the paint. That was the only thing in the general area. 
and he was throwing it at their feet, and it was like, <laughs> or even when they were they were the, uh, Barrios, the the wide receiver, yeah, Braxton Barrios, yeah, Connor, yeah. They were hey, there's your Randall Cobb right there. There's your Randall Cobb. He's gonna want to bring Randall Cobb with him wherever he goes. I mean, you got Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro's your Randall Cobb in <laughs> Los Angeles, and you saw what Derwin James said about him mm-hmm. on the um, who's the 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 Brandon. What's his name? We're drawing a blank. Brandon Marshall. Podcast. Yeah, Brandon Marshall, yeah. Derwin James said that Hunter Renfro was top three route runner in the league. And he was like, that's the guy who gets the most problems. And Brandon Marshall was like, what? He was like, the the insurance salesman? He was like, that's not insurance. <laughs> he was like, he's like, you watch film? Put the film on. Yeah. Renfro, given, he'd been giving guys the businesses, him and Deshaun won the championship over Alabama. So, he has everything he needs. And you you have the whole narrative that, oh, Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive coordinator there now. So the already don't trust the Jets decision-making. Um, but that was the narrative <laughs> yeah, last year. It was like if he went to Denver, they got Hackett to Denver because they thought it was going to bring Aaron Rodgers. Right. I don't think they understand the Aaron Rodgers' allegiance is to Aaron Rodgers. It's not to, you know, like right. I'm pretty sure he has some love and allegiance to Green Bay. But they also are going to cut him a check for $58.3 million, $58.3 million here in the next four or five days. So, yeah, I'd have a I have a little love for you, too, if you cut me those kind of checks. But if they didn't cut those checks, he would have slid. Mm-hmm. He didn't take a pay cut. He had a wide receiver that was trying to get a deal done and wanted $28 million. He was like, cool, let me go ahead and get that 59 about your player. <laughs> like, no quarterback does that. Quarterbacks don't say, yo, let me get – like, he got $40 million last year knowing another guy was asking for top dollars as wide receiver. So, are you going to give $60, 70000000 million to the quarterback-wide receiver combo? Unlikely. But he still took that deal. So, it's allegiance to him, and I understand it completely because – Shoe on the other foot, if he didn't have the leverage with his talent, the team would have shipped him off anywhere for whatever they could get. Yeah, and as far as playing in the warm, I mean, he's played in Green Bay the last 16 or 17 years, so the cold doesn't bother him. You know, I don't think that's a deal breaker. Or like, sure it's kind of cool to just be in Las Vegas for... Maybe. I mean, I feel like that's a deal breaker if we're talking about Peyton Manning. You know, if we're talking about Drew Brees or, you know, people that played in domes their whole career, you know... The, the cold is a part of him, you know. So, I mean, he is from California, though. So, you know, you got the hometown thing that could play a factor as well, you know. Uh, but I just, I just think San Francisco possibility. But I don't, I don't know if even with their, yeah, that, that's true. Even, even with their weapons, though, I don't know if the Raiders are, for lack of better words, I guess a threat. You know, I don't think the Raiders are. I think you're, you're, I think you're overthinking it. If you just look, if you simply just look at what they did last year with Derek Carr completing six percent of his passes, they had number one rusher, sixteen hundred yards. They still have him. They had they still have Devontae Adams, Mm -hmm. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. I think they all like missed times with injuries, but they're all back. Mm -hmm. Darren Waller just got married. Big mental health proponent, him and Max Crosby getting together a lot. They do a lot of podcasts talking about mental health and mental health awareness and suicide awareness and substance abuse awareness. So he just got married, locks him in, makes him a little bit more focused. He married uh, Kelsey Plum from the Los mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So keeping it in, in the city. And then you have 
you have the uh, like I say, you have uh, two defensive players that can get to the quarterback. That potentially gets you short fields. That gets you the the turnover at the forty-five yard line, and, you, and your favorite, you know, his play-action rollout to the left bomb to Devontae. Yeah. I still can't get over that. I still can't get over that play against New England. Chandler Jones. On <laughs> I still can't get over that, you know. But the Jets do have the defensive rookie of the year, too. Now, granted, he plays corner. But they have a bunch of young players, a defensive coach, and an offensive coordinator who just got fired because he had to hire another guy to help him coach. <laughs> I don't. And then it's the Jets. So then you go to the Jets. The expectation is he puts you over the hump because they had a top four defense and all they needed was the quarterback. And he's like, you know what? I might just want to ride out to the sunset. Well, the sunset's great in Nevada. <laughs> or even California. Cause I'm, or I'm even not, San Francisco. Yeah, that's a I'm good, not, that's a good thought. I didn't even think it's Brock Purdy injury talent level. I didn't even consider that, but that's the team that's the, that's the quarterback away. Yeah, so I mean, maybe they trade Brock Purdy and Trey Lance and get try to recruit a couple of those first round picks that they gave up for Trey Lance and move them to get Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. <laughs> can't play. I can't play GM because I know a lot of them are pretty mundane in their moves. They're pretty simple. They normally just make a bad overpayment, but they don't really do anything. They kind of like. But now, but now that the, but now that the Jets are talking to him today. I wonder if tomorrow we're going to hear about five teams that don't want Aaron Rodgers at all. Now you want to hear that. You want to hear that. <laughs> no collusion. Yeah. So, so you I'm know, um, good to go. I, I just think at this point, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, it's just time. Like, y'all have been delaying the inevitable. You're not winning a Super Bowl. And it's nothing wrong with something ending. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, besides the fact that, you know, you know when it was time to end it was when – you had a chance to make the playoffs and all you had to do was beat the Lions at home and you couldn't do that. You know, that the team they no, went, the Lions are a good team, but but the point that I made, they were at, at, on like, at Lambeau. That bubble screen on like third and seventeen and then the pass on fourth down, like that that takes guts. You you but that's what it is. Is it's not just the players, like that has to be buying. And I think Green Bay they're disconnected with Aaron. I think Lamar and Baltimore, I think there's a disconnect. I'm not sure what the health level that Lamar was at, but I I think that if the initial diagnosis was just a few weeks for him to be back, I think if the team had treated him properly, maybe he would have come back with a brace on it. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. And then obviously, you know, I don't have any I don't have any I don't have any intel, you know, but it was the playoffs. You know what I mean? But I also understand that you don't potentially damage and ruin your career over one game. Because if they if they would have like RG three talked about um his <laughs> RG three got injured and then still came back early because he was right. her cousins taking his spot. He talking about the team made him do it. The team said to chill. Mm-hmm. He on Kirk because he didn't like Kirk Cousins. He still doesn't. Right. He want Kirk Cousins taking his spot, so he rushed back. 
So I know he was defending Lamar a lot, but like let's let's go ahead and peel this onion back into context. Well, well, well I think well I think that happened. You're lose your spot, and he ended up losing it anyway. Well, I think that happened because of Michael Vick's comments. You know, because Michael Vick was saying how he had the sprain or whatever it was, then he wore the brace and went out there. And RG3 was saying like, no, dude, like don't listen to Vick, like <laughs> like yeah. don't listen to Vick because you know that team will move on from you. And leave you holding the bag. Thing. So if there was some money in that ice, I think he would have been. I think he would have played. Or if he, he already had his contract, if they made. already paid him. If they already yeah. paid him, then the narrative would have been, we don't want to rush him back. Right. Exactly. If they didn't pay him, the narrative they put out was, we thought he'd be ready, but we're not going to talk about it anymore because you have this. I think you. It's, it, I mean, it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. But I think the team is good with that. Like, as, as we circle back around, like, even with Aaron Rodgers, I think they are good with pissing off the Green Bay faithful if they can get Jordan Love in there and they can go and they can look competitive. I mean, one way or the other, you got to see what he is. Like, even if he's not competitive, you got to see it. Yeah, they you made him mistake grab him in the first place. Like I think that I don't think that was a I, I don't think that was a smart move drafting well, him in the first place. Well, sometimes Aaron Rodgers gives me that Ben Roethlisberger vibe of once you have one foot out the door, you're out the door. He kind of gives me that vibe sometimes. You know, he talks about retirement a lot. You know, and I don't know if that's just a bargaining chip. You know, but but, but it does. They 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 set it up like I mean we have the history. They drafted him when they were done with Favre. Favre just said, I'm not leaving because I don't want to give up my spot. Right. So that 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 was it. So, like, they've seen this before. We've all seen this movie, you know. We've seen part one of this movie. Now we got part 12, which is Aaron Rodgers. So he knows what it is. It's just that he had the back-to-back MVP years. Right. And leverage to get his contract up. Right. Now it's like, all right, this isn't going anywhere. You, if you play in Green Bay next year, it's only to say you played your whole career in Green Bay and retire number 12 in Green Bay. Because I don't think you can wear 12 in, in, with the Raiders because Ken State would. And mm-hmm. I'm going to bring that out of retirement. So do you want to wear a different jersey or do you want to finish out in Green Bay? If you do leave, I think the Raiders is the best spot. Well, all I know is I can't wait for his book to come out down the road because you know he's gonna have a lot to get off his chest. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm gonna get us started. Raph gonna close us out, you know. So, Mr. Nick Saban, Mr. Goat, and you are the goat, and I'm not being facetious by calling you the goat. You are the goat. You know, I'm confused because all I hear every year is about the SEC is the best because. They have all the good teams. You know, there's never a week off. Like, they even try to lie and make it sound like Vanderbilt and Missouri are good. But, you know, like, the SEC is so tough. You know, the mightiest of teams come from the SEC. So now that Texas and Oklahoma joining the club in 2024, we got to find out a way to do schedules. Because as me and Raph were chatting beforehand, you know, we realized that Texas A&M joined the conference in 2012 and they played Georgia once, which was in 2019. So they were already in the conference for seven years when they played Georgia and it was at Georgia. So the people in College Station haven't even got to see Georgia in person yet. 
that is wild. But anyway, so Nick Saban seems to be a little upset because with this new schedule structure, there has to be three permanent teams that you play every year. So the Big Ten is going to run into the same thing when USC and UCLA come. But the problem is he's been complaining about having this tough schedule. It's like, that's what the SEC prides itself on. Why are you mad? Besides the fact that his three permanent opponents are rumored to be Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. And I would just like to let Nick Saban in on a little secret. You play those three every year anyway. You know, Auburn is your in-state rival, the Iron Bowl. Some say the best rivalry in sports. Tennessee is your rival. Smoke the cigars at the end of the game, you know. And before this year, you won 15 in a row against Tennessee. Like, okay, sign me up to play Tennessee. You know, I'll lose once out of 16 tries. And then LSU, that game is a more recent thing, but that game has decided national titles. It was a national title game in one of the games directly, in one of the years directly. So, you know, I don't understand what the complaining is. Like, so should we have given you Auburn, Tennessee, and Georgia? You want Auburn, Tennessee, and Florida? You want Auburn, Tennessee, and A&M? Auburn, Tennessee, Oklahoma? Auburn, Tennessee, Texas? Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. That's yeah. And, and the best part is, and the best part is, and the SEC has earned this, so I'm, I don't want to complain about it, but you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. You know, if you go 10-2 and two, and those losses are to Auburn and LSU, you're still going to get in the playoff unless both of them are 11-1 and one, and one wins the SEC. And you still might get in. You know, there's going to be three SEC teams in there probably most years. So I don't understand why this – oh, our schedule is going to be so tough. I just don't understand it, Nick. You know, and, and when I look at it, you're the GOAT. So you've gone through the SEC multiple times undefeated or with one loss and won the SEC title and went on to win the national title or at the very least play for the national title. You know, so obviously you're equipped to do it. You know, you just had the number one recruiting class this season. Stop complaining. Keep doing what you're doing. Go win a title. That's what I had to get off my chest. Hey, the man's just planting seeds. The day before the college football vote came out, he was planting seeds saying, hey, you know, I don't know how you can say we're not one of the top teams because we lost two games on last second plays. (laughs) All All I heard was L. Slick Nick. But yeah, you know, my guy's really big into, you know, yelling about the conference realignment and things like that. And Mike's on it. Like, if it happens, Mike's hitting me up. Hey, you heard so-and-so's going to this conference or this call got made to Arizona. This, so, Oh, so. yeah. And, and, and the Big 12 has been in contact with those four schools. That came out this week. So, like, think, things are happening. Yeah. So, so knowledge is power and, and, and learning is power and, and, and being smart with your time and energy is all power. We talked about this has been pretty much the theme of our entire conversation is like learning from your mistakes. Other teams with bad contracts, overdrafting the guy or overhyping the guy because of the combine, John Morant's behavior, and now Aaron Rodgers holding Green Bay hostage. Like, listen, you guys have dragged this on long enough. 
Joe Mixon. You came into the draft, you dropped because you punched a woman in the face at a bar at school. Dropped in a draft, charges, criminal record, being labeled as just a loose cannon in an era where we were transitioning, where before they weren't really holding players, a lot of the talented players accountable because of the benefit of their talent. We can we can argue that, but you can see it in multiple documentaries and throughout the history. A lot of players in sports, even if you think back to your high school team, your high school classroom where the, the quarterback is late to class and the teacher does nothing. But if the dude in the band shows up late, he's going to the office. We've all seen it. There is a perk to being a student athlete, especially if you're one of the top ones. But as you grow up and you become an adult. And then you have multiple incidents with you and your behavior and poor decision making. He had an alleged assault of a woman before the Buffalo playoff game where he allegedly pointed a gun at her. Again, 24 hours ago, it was report that he that someone fired a weapon from his house in Cincinnati at a group of teenagers with Nerf guns. At least that's allegedly the story. And I understand people when you want to protect your house and understand you want to protect your family and I understand these things, but you have to get a grip on your life before you lose all of it. You can't just because you have a gun just start shooting indiscriminately into the dark. You have a nice house in Cincinnati. Do the extra mile to ensure that it's secured. Get great cameras, get great locks, get the best doors, get the best windows. I know it seems like it's a lot, but would you rather spend money securing your home to fortify it so your family is safe or do you want to come out on your porch or come out or open up a window, open up your back door and start shooting at people or coming outside threatening people with guns? You have to understand that is a bigger picture that you are ignoring and you put yourself in harm's way. Even if you feel like you're defending, you can't just go shooting your gun at people like the bullet travels. It goes into other people's homes. Like the bullets don't just stop when you miss the target you intended for. It's not a smart bullet. It doesn't just drop when you fire at a, a silhouette by a tree in your backyard and you miss. It doesn't just fall down behind that silhouette. It keeps going. It goes into somebody else's car. It goes in someone else's garage. It goes to someone else's basement or window or their child's window. Or it goes into someone walking their dog at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, whatever the case may be. You don't know where those bullets go. So you need to be in better charge of yourself to the point where you know, I cannot just fire this weapon off, even if you feel threatened. It's the same argument that people have with, with police shootings and just gun violence in general. Like you have no idea where those bullets are going. You're just firing off because you feel like you have to fire this gun. Be smarter. You have multiple charges. You're constantly in situations where guns and assault and violence are involved. If you're constantly finding yourself in these predicaments, evaluate how you got there. 
evaluate. How am I always in a situation where I got to get my gun? If you live in a nice neighborhood in Cincinnati, I'm pretty sure you have security. It's probably gated. You probably have great locks. Why are you so adamant about opening up your door to fire fire out weapons? Hire a security team that doesn't have to fire out these guns. It just it just seems like people just want to, for the sake of bravado, not think clearly. Where you're gonna see yourself clearly out of the NFL if you don't get your shit together. Be an example for people who've made it out of predicaments, not even negative predicaments, just guys who want to be in the league, guys who are running backs that go to Oklahoma, guys that get recruited out of high school. It's like, listen, I can do this. I can make money for this team and buy my family a nice house in the suburb and have a 45-minute drive to the stadium where I'm a hired football player and I get to play on Sundays or I get to play on Monday nights, so or I get to play on Thursday. I get a chance. Like, people need to see that that is also a part of what you do. It's not just a matter of, like, oh, I'm carrying all this anger and this baggage from my previous life. People need to see you turn the corner. That way they know, like, oh, I can let this go. I don't have to carry this chip on my shoulder unless I'm playing football. I don't have to carry this, this the weight of the world on my shoulders. Because I know as black men, we constantly put the weight of the world on our shoulders we don't always have to. We don't always have to be defensive. We don't always have to be the biggest fighter in the room. We don't always have to be the loudest voice. We can just be silent and strong and be there for our families and be good examples. You don't have to blow it. You don't have to be fake tough. You don't have to show I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to commit this crime. I'm willing to, to fire this gun. Like We know you want to protect your family. It's intrinsic. It's ingrained in you. As a man, like that, we know that's part of it, but you have to be smarter because a locked up man is a detriment to his family. I don't care what people say. So you want to be there for your family. You can't do that from behind bars. So you have an altercation with someone, you got to think about it. Do I need to be behind bars for this altercation? Do I need to leave my family and go to prove a point that I'm willing to go to the extremes to protect them? Like, well, you're not protecting them behind the walls. So cut it out. Be smart. Act smart. That's all I got. Yeah, just relax and have some Skyline chili or something. <laughs> no. But yo, sports reports is ordered. You know, coming to the end of another episode, this is always my least favorite part, you know, because parting is such sweet sorrow, <laughs> you know, but, you know, Raph, the people want to hit you up, where they going to get you at? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Sports Reports is ordered. You can find me on Twitter, Fear My Raph. Also, don't forget to follow the nonprofit Broken Windows Initiative. That's Broken Windows underscore I-N-T on Instagram, also on Twitter. I'll be putting out more information on each thing. We'll post our clips. I'm going to start doing some events with the nonprofit here pretty soon. Hopefully within the next six weeks, I'll have a couple of things out. But like I said, appreciate anyone who has followed the nonprofit and the sports podcast. Um, Like I said, I, I appreciate you guys listening and watching. 
and you know it gives us you know something to do every single week is it's, it's a big deal to have this 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 outlet this media outlet you know instead of me yelling at my phone when i'm watching first things first or undisputed or max kellerman or whatever the case may be shout out to max, max kellerman but you know every once in a while i'm like man i can't wait to talk to mike about this nonsense that i'm hearing um and if you guys feel like you know you guys want to chime in give us some topics Hey, I'm all ears. DM me anytime. It's on my phone. I got it on me all the time. So where can they find you, Mike? Instagram, MLDove25. Twitter, 2-Bit Reports. You know, same email. All that sports reports is sportsreportao at gmail.com. You know, rate us, review us. Hopefully give us five stars. Give us some feedback and all that good stuff. We appreciate everybody that's been listening and along this journey with us and look forward to those joining in the future. And before we get out of here, I got to do it because I forgot to do it last time. And my wife let me have it. I forgot to say, love you, America. (laughs) Peace.